Well, let's head to Australia now. This was a story that caught my attention. I was traveling back from the UK over the past couple of days, and uh, this is obviously something that's being talked about a lot. Nearly 200 stranded pilot whales have died on Tasmania's west coast. The rescuers did successfully return 32 animals to deeper water on Thursday, but a pot of about 230 pilot whales became stranded on Wednesday, and marine conservationists, of course, launched that rescue mission. Uh, And here is Associated Press reporter Karen Shemas with some more on that. When first found, half of the 230 whales beached on shore were believed to be alive. By the next morning, less than three dozen managed to survive the pounding surf overnight. Wildlife manager for the area, Brendan Clark, said the rescue operation for the remaining 35 was a success. Oh, it's worked very effectively, our operations today. At least 32 of the 35 animals that are still alive have been refloated, rescued and released. Marine scientist Vanessa Pirotta says although there are many theories, the reason behind the strandings are still a mystery. This is actually the second stranding in Tasmania this week. Earlier there was 14 sperm whales which is a different species of of whale and um, unfortunately they've stranded as well but yet what what is going on? We don't actually know. I'm Karen Chamas. Well joining me now from Brisbane is Olaf Meinecke. He's of Griffith University's Coastal and Marine Research Centre. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me Ben. This was quite, uh, I mean, this was quite the story and this is not, there's been two this week, I gather they're very different, but do we know what's going on? Um, yeah, so I don't quite follow in the steps of uh, my colleague who who made a, a comment there uh, to the press mm-hmm. earlier. Um, we, we definitely know that there is uh, a, a pattern of pilot whales to strand. We know why they're stranding in those uh, sort of whale traps, which are these bays for them because the echolocation doesn't work. So the, the actual stranding process for the pilot whales, that is actually some reoccurring issue and it happened for thousands of years, but unfortunately, uh, we do see an increase of these strandings, um, and it could be related to some change of migration patterns. These animals are coming closer to shore to look for food at certain times of year, putting them at higher risk. Um, the more concerning uh, stranding is actually uh, the, the stranding of the sperm whales because they do That's not right. mass strand. Uh, and so this is what kind of triggers me to think both are feeding, um, both species are feeding on similar prey, and they're both feeding in, in those uh, continental shelf areas in offshore regions but at the end of the winter it can be that they're searching or chasing prey and this might have gotten them closer to these islands of course to be able to strand an island in in the middle of gigantic ocean is is more than just a coincidence uh the animals have to be very close to the island to actually strand there and for the sperm whales i'm concerned that they were probably in bad physical condition to strand all in the same location and 14 of them we had a similar case uh in europe with 29 whales 2016 and we know that there was a climate driven pattern a food search uh, for them to go into the north sea and that trapped them there and they were in bad physical condition most of them um were not well Right. So, I mean, so, so just the way, I mean, sometimes it's not about the sheer numbers because obviously the pilot whales stranding was a much larger group of whales. And I realize the rescue effort going on over the past 24 hours has been 48 hours at this point, I guess, in Australia has really been focused on trying to rescue them. So maybe if we start there, um, this has happened before. I gather there was a huge mass, there was a mass stranding uh, back a few years ago that was quite well known. What happens? The pilot whales follow each other. Is that right? Yeah, so the the story 
story is um, a bit more complex. So they're actually one of the smartest um, mammals we have on the planet, including the sperm whale. So it's not that they're just randomly sperm in the ocean and suddenly hit the island and then just all strand. So because the pilot whales are starting to aggregate for mateship, uh, this is the start of the uh, breeding season for them. And they will form these really big super pods as an advantage of actually mixing the genetic potential. So there is a strategy there that obviously has worked. Um, the issue there is that because they're quite close in their actual uh, subgroups, they know each other, they're like, everyone knows uh, each other by calls. When they're in such big groups, they don't know each other. And there's calls there that they haven't recognized. And so if there is a distress situation, uh, compare it to us going to a concert and panic starts for some reason and people start just running without actually thinking. So conscious decisions are not really being made. And that that's actually this, this chain effect that happens. They're following some of their friends and family members into the bay that might just be two or three, but they also have calls and they call for help and then others might get confused um, and they uh, enter that bay as well. And it's this chain effect and then all these animals entering the bay. And at that stage, they're in this confusion where they can also not navigate with their echolocation in the shallow and sandy waters. It's been quite the rescue effort at least over the past while well, I gather they've managed to save some but but not nearly enough obviously no and with pilot whales unfortunately the story is usually that it's uh 90% or so uh, will usually not survive um it's still a success to say that 32 have been able to be successfully you know released or 35 but i think three or so try to return um and so it's still worth rescuing these animals and it's actually an interesting uh, follow-up of course will these animals survive and how do they integrate in you know in other parts like they can't survive by themselves so you know they they likely will either form their own group uh, for hunting or maybe join other groups so there's you know that interesting effect or like um, you know what's happening once they're being released because it's nice to release but we obviously want to know if it's successful yeah i mean they're incredibly com as you've pointed out they're incredibly complex animals right i mean they're they're re remarkably complex animals so i, I think it's I, I guess as a, a layperson when you see these mass strandings, it, it's it's shocking in in many ways because you think, how could that happen? Do we and you were mentioning it earlier, we have we do have some concept of why it happens, but is it happening more, or is it just because you had that very large one in Australia a few years ago, back in 2020, I guess, and now there's this one? Are we seeing it more often, or is it just because we're paying attention to it, paying attention to it more, perhaps? Um, overall, there hasn't really been seen an increase of pilot whale stranding. There has been an increase of stranding of whales around the globe. There is, that's 100% sure. But those strandings, obviously, it's different species and it's often related to um, bad physical conditions, starvation, or they've been entangled in ropes um, or ingesting plastic, like sperm whales have washed up with plastic ingested. So these are new factors. Um, and of course, there's also the issue of noise pollution, not just the, the actual you know, pollution by plastic and, and fishing gear. So, you know, there is that increase and that's that's a fact. Um, but with the pilot whale strandings, those mass strandings have occurred in the regions, um, yeah, over a long period of time. And so far, there hasn't been uh, a, 
significant increase. Um, but we are, of course, worried that with food shortages, these animals are more likely to take higher risk. Um, and, you know, this this can lead to uh, situations like that where they're just close to shorelines or coastlines where they get entrapped. And New Zealand is, uh, you know, is classic uh, for, for that. You know, the majority of pilot whales actually get stranded in New Zealand. Right. How do you rescue them? I mean, we have, I'm in Victoria, so we have, we have resident and transient orcas around us uh, that we see relatively often. Um, there's, but, but how do you rescue these animals once they strand? It's not easy. I mean, there's still a small, a small dolphin species compared to a sperm whale. Um, uh, they are still weighing about three ton. And so they can't easily be moved. You have to wait for tidal water to come in so that it's actually possible to slowly move them back into the water. Um, they are one of the you know, uh, larger dolphin species, of course. And so uh, they can't be on land for too long because they're crushing their own to their own weight, but they can survive for a couple of hours. So the the thing is to wait for the tide to come back and then try and drag them back in, uh, cover them up um, until the tide uh, comes in so that they don't dry out, the skin doesn't get dry. Um, and in some cases, there's also uh, floating or pontoons that can be used, which is quite helpful in particular uh, if the animals are so heavy, like those three tons animal, those pontoons then help to lift up the animal and you can easy uh well e more easily drag them into open water and this actually has to be done they have to be taken further away from the the shallow waters because um as we just discussed they can't navigate in these shallow waters so they have to be in deeper waters to be able to actually find uh their their way out olaf Marek is with us this half hour from brisbane in australia we're talking about i don't know if you've seen the headlines this week about 230 a uh, pod of pilot whales became stranded in Tasmania on Wednesday, Australia. It's Friday there now. Um, Olaf was also mentioning a, a smaller pod of sperm whales becoming stranded as well, which is more uncommon and probably, as you're saying, of more concern. Why would that be? And what does it tell us about what, what broader picture does it paint about whale health in our oceans these days? Yeah, Ben. So the yeah, it's the sperm whale stranding that actually has me more concerned than the the mass stranding of the pilot whales. Yes, we're only looking at fourteen animals, but uh, in general, sperm whale strandings is one or two individuals, and they're generally also not in good conditions when they strand. Um, we only had a few of those largest mass strandings of sperm whales, and one was in two thousand sixteen in Europe. But even there, uh, the the group was uh, kind of scattered, or the end of uh, Animals were scattered throughout the North Sea over different countries, but here they all ended up on King Island, very close to each other. Um, it looks like it was a loose group of uh, of younger males, and it's it's not uncommon for them to form these loose groups and venture through the ocean in search of uh, uh, new groups that they can uh, uh, connect with, and then you know at some point uh, also find uh, mating possibilities. So the question is whether these animals were actually starving and in what conditions they were. And um, unfortunately, I'm not aware of any necropsies uh, undertaken at the moment. So that means looking at the gut content and trying to actually assess the health of these animals. Um, 
but that would be an interesting question to ask what is what's the conditions of these animals and why why did they end up there because to for for a large animal like this to strand on on a on a beach or on a rocky shore they have to be very close to the shoreline and generally all of the whales are like dying offshore and we never see them um and so of course when we look at the entire ocean we've got a lot of threats that are coming in that are much more complex than the whaling issue whaling was easy compared to what we have now we could have just we just stopped whaling and we knew the whales would come back but now we've got these um these complex issues that are you know like entanglements and noise pollution and general water pollution uh shortages of food supply um and so there is there's these issues that we can't easily tackle um to ensure that we actually save our marine mammals for future generations yeah i mean where i am we have i was as i was mentioning we have the resident the resident orcas which is a you know, there's a lot of concern about what's happening with them as well. And I guess there's also a lot of mystery, but we don't fully understand. We understand that there are impacts of things that are happening, but I gather we don't fully understand what the impacts are. I mean, entanglements, obviously, plastic, I guess we, we know too. But other things are going on too in terms of changing feeding, you know, changing feeding patterns in terms of where they're going, as well as noise pollution that I think we're just beginning to understand. Is that right? That's right. And um, I, I, I'm strongly focused on humpback whales, uh, which is a baleen uh, species, so quite different from, from the toothed whales that just recently stranded. Uh, but the adapt adaptation to changes are obviously similar. They will look for new uh, food opportunities. Um, and we know the humpback whales around the world and all populations have changed their behaviors and they're starting to just well, they're starting to go to alternative uh, feeding areas. They're also arriving later and earlier at the feeding grounds and breeding grounds. So there's a shift of timing when there are. And we know from North America, actually, from the West Coast, that they're entering uh, in, in heat waves, that they're entering fishing grounds that they used to not actually go to. And now there is this problem that we've got more entanglements of them because they're actually in fishing grounds where they didn't used to go, but they need to go there because they just don't have the food um, that they used to find in the arctic water so um you know there's a trend here that we can see around the globe that is is that there's a shift happening and these animals are intelligent so we know that mm -hmm. they will find um solutions to these problems and actually you know when people ask me so you know what's the impact of where of climate uh change on whales i'm like well we could also see it the other way. What can we learn from these animals on how to adapt to climate change? Because the ocean is actually changing more drastically than land, even though we don't see it. But we've, uh, you know, we've seen uh, changes in currents and systems that are actually impacting the land. Uh, and it's always the other way around. The, the ocean impacts the land, not the land, the uh, the ocean that much. So. Um, you know, there's there's change happening uh, amongst the whales uh, that is uh, quite interesting to study and to to learn from. But obviously, you know, we need to adapt also on, on how we can protect these animals, like shifting marine protection areas and um, and changing, uh, you know, the timing for fisheries, which is exactly what happened um, in, in, in the U.S. Uh, recently. I, I, as you mentioned, uh, they are going to adapt, right? Or trying to find it, try to find a way to adapt, even as we try to find a way to better protect them. And and I guess that's what we're seeing happen now. We're seeing larger, uh, at least on the west coast of North America, where I am, we're seeing larger migration patterns at different times of year. And it's happened quite quickly, which is, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, which is probably cause for concern too. 
It does happen very fast. I mean, we can see the changes of the last five, uh, five to eight years, basically. I mean, uh, you know, we've, we've been observing and monitoring the whales here on the east coast of Australia for the last 13 years. And we only really started to see changes happening last five to eight years. So where, you know, we, we've got carvings, uh, so newborn calves being born way south from the actual traditional breeding areas. And, and all these things are signs of uh, adapting to reducing uh, energy need for, for migration so that they reduce you know, the time they need to get to, from feeding to breeding grounds. So um, definitely there is, there is something happening. And, and I think, you know, the pilot well strandings will always be an issue regardless of climate change and all other issues issues but if you're adding you know noise pollution and uh, gas and oil exploration as that you know impacting some of the feeding grounds then of course that's not going to be helping them so well Olaf Madika thank you so much for your time tonight I appreciate your insight and always nice to get a perspective from uh, from far away when we do have our, our our whale issues here too on the west coast of Canada and on the east coast obviously absolutely thanks so much for having me Ben